Where Murder Meets Mystery contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. friends let's take a walk down the street where murder meets mystery a podcast exploring the murderous the mysterious and everything that lies beyond the beyond i'm grace and i'm trevor and i didn't get a countdown so i said yes in the middle of your opening i'm gonna take it out you'll be fine how oh yeah you can just isolate my audio that's correct cool friends what the reason why i don't say anything while grace is talking because she bleeps me out all the time that's true that's true i cut out a lot of his audio not all Good. of it just if you like burp in the middle of something i'm saying i will cut that out I, th- I think that's probably happened once or twice there was one burp in particular i'm thinking of it was in episode 37 you burped so loud that it reverberated in my <laughs> audio and i had to cut the entire part of the story out <laughs> because we heard it on mine <laughs> grace grace got tunnel vision and tinnitus after that incident yes i did tunnel tinnitus both Cool friends. Tunnelitis. I just want this to be a testament to how much we love you, because this is actually our second time recording this episode. Trevor, tell them what happened. It's my fault. Um, is it your fault? Well, I no, uh, it's Ian's fault. Son it's of a Hurricane bitch. Ian's fault because, um, you know, he decided to do do on our podcast by <laughs> throwing uh, Grace's electricity in the bin. Yep, and I have to throw out $40 worth of meat. Not happy about that. Why? I literally, because I did a full grocery trip. Like, I, my fridge was empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why, why are you throwing it away? Well, because my power was out for seven and a half hours. Did you open the fridge? No. Yeah, you'd be all right. No. The CDC yeah. says it's four hours. Four hours in, like, room temp, yeah. No. It says four hours when in the event of a power outage and the refrigerator has not been opened... Four hours. All right. We've all eaten at Crazy Fire. We've all eaten at Dining Halls. <laughs> Listen, man. Listen, man. You eat You eat that meat. Don't throw that away. Go get Listen, it out of the garbage right now. It, Listen, if you've drank jungle juice at a, flat, at a frat house, you are immune from everything. <gasps> that's, that's science. The chemicals. Listen, it took us... Listen. It took us way too long to get started today because Trevor was doing his laundry for the first time um, and I was helping him. Oh, that kind of paints a weird picture. <laughs> no, I've I was helping him. I've definitely done my laundry for a while, for a hot minute. I know, we've done laundry together. Remember? Oh. Yeah. Good times in those communal UT washers communal yeah 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 those were hair uh, in the rims yeah 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 you you find you find a lot a lot of things in those the band-aids remember when we found the pocket pussy (laughs) (laughs) yes and it looked like it had been kicked up and down a dirt road for like a quarter mile like it was covered in just like particles of dirt and like lint lint. it was like it was i i imagine it had to have been flesh toned like white person yeah. flesh toned, but like yeah. by the time we got to it, it was gray. Like it looked like a, a like an alien OC. Like it was it was ridiculous. Yeah, an alien OC. Shout out to Ellis. Yeah, <laughs> Ellis, Ellis, come back. 
Oh, let's come back. Yeah, she's traveling the world right now. Whatever. The world. Yeah, she's in Italy or some shit. I don't know. Into other worlds. Into other into other worlds. She's yeah. got to get that alien ussy. Yeah, that's okay. where you find it. So, I, in the UT laundry be, room. <laughs> if you guys are wondering if our banter is like off today, it's what? because. Well, it's because you've already heard my case. So, like, none of this is surprising to him. Believe it or not, I don't remember it. What? I do not believe that. That this was not, this was but 12 hours ago. Well, I hit, I hit the button that says just, like, have a big, and it's brown with yellow font, and it says forget that. And I just hit it, and it goes out, out of my ear, in my brain, in my mind palace. Why brown with yellow? And don't tell me it's fucking Comic Sans. You know that shit is Comic Sans. Uh, yeah, it, it would have to be, <laughs> to be honest. Like, honestly, in my mind palace, there's a lot of Comic Sans for stuff. I thought it was that, a file. That room. is appropriate. Um, well, in my mind palace, there is a library section. And deep into the mind palace library, there is a file room called the mind palace library file room. <laughs> On, on the third floor. It's a great name. Yeah. Very, it's a very aptly you, named. You have to take a grand staircase to get there. As it was. As it was. But yes. Yeah, so, you know, there are details that I probably won't remember. So go off. Okay. Queen. I remember about what, right. oh, what it was about because it's kind of cool. And go friends. You're don't ruin it. the don't ruin it. Yeah. No, I just said it's cool. Okay. All right. I, I just mean like in the moment. It's one of those moments where you're like, oh, yeah. Right. Yes, and that's what I'm going for. I want an oh, oh moment. Yeah. When it happens, I'll I'll give you one. How about okay. that? <laughs> the, oh. All of us, all of us <laughs> together, the me and the collective ghoul friends will go. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's I understand it. now. The light bulb will explode in my mind palace. In your mind palace library file room. <laughs> no, no. There's a specific room that I sit in whenever <laughs> light bulbs go off, and it's. You know, padded, and I sit behind a little plexiglass case so I don't get shrapnel. I'm sure you do. I'm sure mm-hmm. you are in a uh, a padded room in your mind palace. That checks out. <laughs> <laughs> There's many rooms in the mind palace, but go, go on, continue. <laughs> and they're all padded. <laughs> I mean, I like comfort. I don't know what you want. <laughs> and insanity. Both. Okay. Normalized padded rooms. <laughs> in your mind palace. Yep. Normalize mind palaces. What are we doing? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> so I want to do something a little different for my case today. I am yeah. going to be talking about a crime. <gasps> Whoa. Like a super sad one. But I also uh, have a little informative segment that I thought was really interesting. And I came across in my research, I did not go into this case expecting to find this but i was very intrigued and so i thought i'd include it so it's like half and half blanket trigger warning here by the way ghoul friends this case involves violence against a young child and may be particularly disturbing to some listeners please proceed with caution viewer discretion is advised that's right i'll start with the crime this is the tragic story of nine-year-old amber hagerman Amber Renee Hagerman was born on November 25th, 1986 to Donna Williams and Richard Hagerman. She That's had two days after brother. my birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Trev. Well, not yet. Well, it's nine years before you were born, so. Oh, and she was nine years old. 
What? And they were roommates. I hope not. That would have made it easier to solve. (laughs) She had a younger brother named Ricky, born in 1991. The winter of 95 began pretty normally for the Hagerman family. They celebrated Christmas together, and a few weeks later in January of 96, they were visiting Amber's grandparents in Arlington, Texas. Amber had received a pink bicycle that year as a Christmas gift and was eager to get out and try it. Amber, just nine years old, and Ricky, five, ventured out on a bike ride at around 310 on January 13th. A bicycle so is a great gift for Christmas, by the way. It really is. I got a bike one year for Christmas. And then yeah. my mom broke uh, broke the news to me that I, in fact, had to share it with my sister. Oh, man. That sucks. Yeah. It was I had a, I got a big bike. In the, it and had it, my I was name like, on it. Oh, really? Yeah. How did it have your name on it? Was that Not like the, the bike itself. Like the gift had my name on was it. Was it like a Jehovah bike or something? <laughs> like grace, peace, and love. By the grace of God, that's on the yeah. little license plate on the back. Yeah, mm-hmm. swag. <laughs> Wait, tell me your bike story. My bike story. Oh, um, you're gonna have to tell me your other story too again because that's yeah, no, my bike was super up. tall. It was like yeah. a either a twenty inch or like a twenty four inch wheel, and I was like ten, and so I always had, but I was always a kind of a tall kid. So, but I remember when I first got it, I was like on my tiptoes to like push it all the way down. Wait, is this like one of those bikes from the old times that have like the gigantic wheel on the front and the tiny wheel uh, back? A, that's called a penny farthing, and no, it's not. A penny farthing? Mm-hmm. Penny far farthing? Farthing? Google That's a stupid name, yeah. It's weird. Penny And farthing. people like ride them around in real life. Yeah. Like I saw a farthing. video of a guy riding one and he was naked and getting chased by the cops. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Did it pull up? <laughs> yesterday, it- I yesterday when I was dressed like a hipster, uh, Trevor was bent out of shape about it. I was wearing a beanie and a flannel, and he was freaking out. And I look like I would ride one of these, just like unironically. No, you ironically. You look like you would eat a chocolate croissant and like a chai latte and ride a penny, th- par- penny far thing with no hands. Like you'd just be like no hands. chugging your chai latte and eating your chocolate cro- oh, croissant no. croissant croissant hey you also had another story that you told me yesterday that i think the ghoul friends should hear tell me well i will tell them when it's appropriate so continue in your case <laughs> don't spit your water out it's dangerous to drink like this right now oh what the fuck and ghoul friends this you. is now our third attempt at this podcast after grace yes. had to get a new computer after she spat mineral <laughs> water all over it i'd be spat oh my god okay uh let's see amber i'll get into just... it in a minute <laughs> <laughs> amber just nine years old and ricky five ventured out on a bike ride at around 3 10 p.m on january 13th now their mom donna warned the kids to stay within a block of the house And we're not really clear about the events that lead up to the kids parting ways, but they do eventually. Uh, Some sources sources speculate that Ricky at just five years old was kind of apprehensive about breaking the rules that their mom had set for them. And so said, okay, Amber, you can go outside of the radius. I'm going to go back home. But we know Ricky, Ricky knows that like outside of a block shit gets weird. We know that they parted ways at the parking lot, at like the entrance to the parking lot of the local Winn-Dixie grocery store, which was in fact two blocks away from 
uh, oh. Amber and Ricky's grandmother's house. Okay. Ricky would never see his sister again. So shit goes down in this parking lot, and this is what we'll talk about. So now, typically, in a disappearance of of a child, the people to alert the police of the disappearance are usually the parents, right? Um, right. Because stranger abductions are so rare, it's like usually someone they know or whatever. But also, and I'll talk a little bit more about how that kind of factors in. But in this case, what? Well, I was going to say that um, stranger abductions are rare, but um, I have a little story about like something that happened to me when I was a kid, like when me and my friend went on a bike ride past the uh, one block radius. Past the one block radius. Yeah, I I want to hear your story so bad it hurts. Like what's the place in Bikini Bottom that's like in the, in the trench or whatever? (laughs) Like once you go outside a block, you're, you're in that weird place. That's like by the bus stop. Yep. Yeah, you, once you, once you go beyond a, a a block, you're you're in rock bottom. And like it's no longer talks like this. Yeah. So, yeah. um, me and my friend Dustin were riding our bikes around the neighborhood because I mean, you know, he likes. We stayed over at each other's houses, and so he stayed over at mine. And then we were riding our bikes up and down the road, and we actually rode our bikes to like an old. Um, it used to be called Walsh's Market. So it used to be like a convenience store. Yeah. But now it's like run down. Like they just have a parking lot and stuff inside of the market. Like they just use it for storage, the people that mm. own it. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we were riding over there, there was like some sort of like concrete thing. We were jumping on our bikes or something, you know, doing like little kid stuff. I was probably 10 or 11 and a guy like pulls up in front of me, like in into the parking lot and then pulls up right next to me on my bike. And we're like, what is this guy doing? He rolls rolls down his window, and he start, he says, "Y'all, y'all been the kids that been beating on my porch." And I'm yeah. like, "What?" He said, "Yeah, y'all, y'all been beating on my porch. Y'all need, I'm about to need to take y'all downtown. It's like get in the car, and we need to go to the police department. I'm gonna turn y'all in, something like that." And it's about that time that I turn around. I'm like, no, nah, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. And I turn around and I, I look behind me and Dustin is just like, <laughs> he's pedaling like fast. Like he's probably like 50, 50 feet of like already gone. And meanwhile, like this guy's like, yo, young going to have to get next car. I'm about to take you downtown. And I'm like, uh, nah. And I, I think I, take you downtown. I just like turned around, turned my bike around. I was like, no, thanks. Or so like, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god and started pedaling back home and dustin got there before me and my mom was like already out in the yard and she was like what 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 the hell what the hell's happening <laughs> and she was already on like, like a phone to the police and um and uh the police officer came and i gave him a statement and they were like yeah um apparently they, they knew who it was as in like they had gotten reports before that there was a guy going around and trying to get kids into his car and that um, the, the he was like a registered sex offender. Nice. And that they just awesome. haven't like caught him, caught him yet. But I'm yeah. like, okay, how many times does it take for like, you know, this guy to ask like four kids to get in his car before you're like, hey man, uh, like like let's not, or you're going to jail, or like let's and just go ahead and go to jail. Like he's got to be violating some sort of rule of being a sex offender. Oh, hundred percent. He's not supposed to be around kids. But then my opinion, my opinion, my assumption would be that they would have his vehicle information if he's on the sex offender registry. No, yeah. Well, they, you live. 
They definitely should. And I, I still to this day remember what kind of uh, SUV he was driving. It was a yeah. red um, Ford Explorer, um, late 90 model or early 90 model Ford Explorer, like the old boxy ones. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, he's wearing a baseball cap. And I don't really remember what he looked like um, yeah. at this point. But yeah, no, that's so crazy. That was my close call. And I didn't know the guy. Super fucking close call. Well, yeah, I'd never seen him before either. Um, So it wasn't like someone that I knew that like, you know, I don't know, like chilled around in the neighborhood or like um, anything like that. So to me, he might have been a stranger, but But he might have been just watching us for a long time on our bike or something. I don't remember. That's opportunistic for you. He sees you guys in an abandoned lot. No one's around. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I think Amber is what you would classify as like a high risk victim because she's yeah, she's nine. She's a little girl on her bike. She's nine, but she's also in a public place. This is broad daylight. This is yeah, 3 PM. And, and it was broad daylight too for me. Yeah, um, the wild. crazy thing about it was like if he just like pulled a gun on me and was like get in the fucking car yeah. or like. While I turned around to look at Dustin, like jumped out and like hit me with Mm -hmm. a bat or something, Mm -hmm. like he could have just threw me in the car. Like it would have been bad. Worse, yeah, yeah. So I dodged a bullet there. Wild. Let's get back to Amber. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here too. But (laughs) makes all this a little scary. Yeah, for real. So as I mentioned, typically the people to alert the police in the event of the disappearance of a child are the parents. But not in this case because Amber's parents were not yet aware that she was missing. Who was aware, and the only person who was aware at the time, was a man named Jimmy Kevil, K-E-V-I-L. Kevil? I don't know. 78 years old, okay? He lived in the houses that backed up. There was a row of houses that backed up to the parking lot of the Winn-Dixie. And so he was on his porch and witnessed what happened. According to all that's interesting, Jimmy, quote, watched as the little girl rode her bicycle around the parking lot. He watched as a 1980s or 90s black pickup truck pulled up alongside her and as a dark-haired man in his 20s or 30s who Kevil thought was white or Hispanic got out. According to Jimmy, the man came up behind Amber, who was still on her bike, grabbed her under the arms, and pulled her into the driver's side door of the truck, then took off, leaving the bike behind. Jimmy recalls... Quote, when she screamed and began kicking her legs, I figured the police ought to know about it, so I called them, end quote. Good good job. Yeah, good on you, Jimmy. Honestly, I, it makes me wonder, like, what little Ricky was doing. Like, did he go immediately home and was like, Mom! Like He must have gone home because... Like, thank God for Tattletales. Like, if he if he would have gone home and yeah. been like, Mom, she's out past the one block radius, maybe they could have, like... <laughs> one block radius. Yeah, you know. She's broached the perimeter. She's in rock bottom. She's in rock bottom. Yeah, I I mean, he definitely... I don't know if this guy would have taken him too. Usually, aren't pedophiles typically a preferential offender, I'm pretty sure. I... Right? Yeah, I don't know. Like, girls or boys is what I mean. I'm sure. Moving on. So... Jimmy recalled that he had seen the truck parked earlier that day at a nearby laundromat that was in the same shopping center and that the truck, after the guy had grabbed Amber, sped away towards the center of town, the town of Arlington, and away from Highway 360, which was the nearby uh, highway. And the police later take this to interpret this to mean that um, the man was a local because otherwise he would have driven away from town, not towards it. Uh Wow. 
The search radius broadened quickly with dozens of police officers and even federal agents searching the surrounding area for the missing girl. They did not search for long. Unfortunately, their efforts ended tragically when only four days later, Amber's body was discovered in a nearby creek by a man walking his dog. Dang. The creek was less than five miles from the Winn-Dixie parking lot. So this was very close by. Now, I just want to give a secondary content warning, ghoul friends, because this is really disturbing. If you don't can't handle a crime scene description, specifically one involving a child, please skip the next minute or so. Okay. So according to former Arlington police detective Randy Lockhart, apart from a single sock on her left foot, Amber was totally nude. There were a, a number of deep lacerations to her throat, and it appeared that a knife or screwdriver had been used to rip her throat out. In oh. fact, uh, one of the detectives recalls that when they rolled Amber's body over, her head fell into his hands. Oh, no. Yeah, I forgot to mention that yesterday. The That's autopsy awful. report would place Amber's time of death at two days before police discovered her and two days after her abduction, which leads them to believe that she was held alive for two days. Amber had been severely beaten and been sexually assaulted. To Terrible. this day, Amber's killer has not been identified and Jimmy Kevill remains the only known witness to Amber's abduction. That's, Police know that's crazy. It's wild. This is now 26 years later. So. And, and what if he's a repeat offender? That's what I'm saying. There's no way. Like I, I think, and I listened to a few podcast episodes about this one, yeah. and I, I think that this guy has done this before. If, if he hasn't done it before, if he hadn't done it before Amber, there's no way this was the first one because he got away with it, right? Yeah. I, or if it is the first one, like the probability of him doing it again is is high, and it's just sad that they haven't found him. Yeah. Exactly. Like, because it could be another kid's life on the line at this point. Yeah. Exactly. Or it could have already been many kids before her. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, police know only a vague description of the man and that he likely was a local, seeing that he drove away from the highway and not toward it. They believe that he was an opportunistic killer and did not know Amber. Stranger abductions, I sort of hinted at this at the beginning, are extremely rare and they are difficult to solve since they usually happen with no planning. Um, they are, you know by when the killer has an opportunity, right? That's in the name. When the killer right. sees an opportunity, suddenly they take it, right? And that right. was kind of the idea behind Amber's abduction. The reason police think he was a stranger is because Amber didn't live in Arlington. She was from out of town. She was visiting oh. her grandmother. Oh. Yeah. So it's not, it's... Because remember, they were visiting her after Christmas, so it's not yeah. it's not likely. That and that makes more sense on how, like, she should have stayed in the one-block radius. Yeah, she doesn't exactly. know where she is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, she may know of, like, I'm sure that she's been to her grandmother's, but, like, she mm -hmm. she's nine. She doesn't have, like, the lay of a land mm -hmm. or the lay of a neighborhood. Right. Um, yeah. That's wild. Let's see. The area where Amber's body was discovered is extremely remote, and one would have to be familiar with the area to have known where to hide her. Amber's story devastated the nation as it quickly become, became a media frenzy, but the effect was seen especially within the town of Arlington. One mother in Texas, in Fort Worth, a woman named Deanna Simone, heard about the story and could not get it out of her head. What upset Deanna the most is that she, like most of Arlington police, 
was certain that someone, perhaps multiple someone's, witnessed something. This was in a shopping center at 3 p.m. There's no right. reason why no one else saw it besides Jimmy Kevill, right? Right. The problem was, Deanna says, that they didn't know what they were seeing because the public was not informed until hours after Amber's abduction. So it, even if they saw a black pickup truck with a little girl inside, no one's going to think anything of it because they're not looking for a black pickup truck. Right. And, and right? you know, depending on the guy, yeah, it could just look normal. Like it's just like his daughter or, you know. And more it could, often. It could be very normal. Right. And more often when you see, unless you see something like blatantly suspicious, are you looking into every car as you're driving? No. No. Right? Trying to mind my own business. I'm trying not to make eye contact. In fact, at stoplights because I hate that shit. When I look over and someone's like. <laughs> Right? I don't know. I actually, I only like it whenever they're staring a hole into me. And then I'm like, all right, staring contest, let's go. All right. Yeah, you would fucking win. And half the time they're not like staring at you until they like focus in on you. And they're like, what? And they like frown and you're like, You're just looking off in a space. (laughs) Yeah, turn around. That's what I thought. And they say you like, dong, staring right at them. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So Deanna... uh, Deanna had an idea, okay? 14 days after Amber's abduction, she writes a letter to a local radio station. In the letter, Deanna writes, I would like to suggest an emergency system be set up so that when a verified 911 call about a missing child is placed, all the radio stations would interrupt programming to broadcast an emergency alert, giving whatever information and descriptions are pertinent. Now, Deanna does mention Amber's case in the letter. So it's very clear that these two things are connected. Right, right. Which Deanna asked to be named Amber's plan would immediately interrupt television and radio programming to broadcast the alert. As the news. Are you having an aha moment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Deanna's belief was that if the public knew sooner that a child was missing, the chances of the child being found would be higher. It makes sense. And she was right. In July of 1997, Amber's plan renamed the Amber Alert. Amber Alert! Was put into place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those text messages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. According to People Magazine, quote, today, Amber Alerts are used in all 50 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, and 33 countries. Whoa. Now, I was a little curious. 33 countries? Yeah, right. I was a little curious as to how they worked because I wasn't like, I know what an Amber alert is and what it means, but I didn't know know how they work. They like, come on up and, and they're like, they got a, we got a silver uh, Ford escape uh, going down highway, whatever license plate. And And then you're like, you're like on the, on the road. If like, if you're on the road, you're like looking uh like, man, or have you ever had one happen where you're driving the same car and you're like, Um, it's like you, you, you just kind of like glance the passenger, <laughs> passenger seat in the back seat, and you're like, uh, whenever I, I whenever I get gas, I'm gonna look at my trunk. I don't know, like, oh, something weird God. happened. <gasps> no, that's never happened to me. That's hilarious. Though. It's happened to me. I bet it happened to you in the Stang. No, it wasn't a Mustang. I think it was the Ford Escape that my parents uh, had. Yeah, that that checks out. An escape. That's like a super common color. And it's, it's so a silver Ford escape. So like, yeah, it's yeah. pretty common. It probably was the most common color at the time too. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how they work because I was interested in the pro- like the procedure. 
Okay. When a missing child is reported to law enforcement and the case meets certain criteria, I'll talk about that in a second, they notify broadcasters and state transportation agencies. Alerts, interrupt programming, appear on statewide transportation signs, show up on digital billboards, and even arrive as texts. Beginning right. in 2015, Amber Alerts also began to appear on Facebook. According to People Magazine, plans vary state to state, but most generally require the child to be 17 years or younger, be in serious danger, and that sufficient information exists on the child or the kidnapper or both. Yeah. I wonder so, about the age now that you say it. Like, why 17? I guess I understand like minor. minors and stuff, but yeah. like also, I don't know. I guess it would, maybe it would, maybe they have more false cases when they get older because then it's like, well, you're not, like, they if they want to go and run away from home or something, I, I don't know. If I had to guess, it's probably because of the odds of a child surviving the first 24 hours of an abduction are extremely rare. Right, yeah. Low, right? Like, the chances that... A kid, a, a person who kidnaps a child will rarely keep them alive within the first 24 hours. Like if they make it past the first 24 hours, that's a big deal. Yeah. At least that's what I've learned from criminal minds. <laughs> On average. Yeah. But my other thing is like, so there's a lot, lots of um, instances of people becoming missing, missing persons. Yeah. And you hear all the time, like if there was, you know, if the police would have been faster to respond or um, there had been more of a search sooner then maybe we would have found them like all that other stuff. And Mm -hmm. that, I feel like that applies to a lot, a lot of people, a lot of different ages. And so it's like, you know, the Amber alert is good to be specifically for one thing, but um, you know, they have the silver alert for, for um, Mm -hmm. the elderly. And then if there was just a missing, missing persons thing, I feel like you can like, read their posters at Walmart or you could probably yeah. Google them if you wanted to. But if there was a text message or something with, you know, a little bit more information, like if they had enough to send it out in a text message, I bet that would be beneficial, beneficial as well. Wouldn't you, I mean, I don't disagree, but wouldn't you think that Amber alerts are more necessary because when a child goes missing, the yeah. odds of it being an abduction are much higher than when an adult goes missing. Yeah, I see You know that. what I mean? Like adults go missing and that doesn't necessarily mean anything bad, right? Yeah, no, I understand that. That makes sense. Yeah. So like it, maybe it makes that's... sense for a child, but then it's like, you know, there are some cases where it might have helped for a missing yeah. person. But that's yeah, def- I mean, the Amber Alert itself makes more sense than the yeah. other. Yeah. There is... um. There's one, there was this one episode, I don't know if it was Unsolved Mysteries, I think it was Forensic Files. I saw this episode where this woman had been abducted and there were like four people outside of a bar at night that saw her waving in the back of the truck. Like the truck was speeding and she was like waving like this. Yeah. And they didn't call it in. Hmm. So... According to the Amber Alert website, as of May 1st, 2022, they have recovered at least 1,114 children in the U.S., and wireless emergency alerts resulted in the rescue of 123 children. There are currently 82 Amber Alert plans throughout the United States. And I think I mentioned this yesterday, but my idea, I don't know, my theory is unfortunately that I think 
just because there's such a big gap between the 123 and 1114 and i'm wondering if the 1114 does that mean that the child is not necessarily alive yeah it's possible you know what i mean they were identified or found but not alive because that would show us the the odds right yeah i don't know that's the true. website adds that the Amber Alerts also can serve as deterrence for those who prey on children, and that in some Amber Alert cases, the perpetrator actually released the abducted child after the Amber Alert was broadcasted. Yeah, makes sense. They they yeah. realize they got the heat on them, and they don't want to. They realize they're driving the same cars. They can. Yeah. Well. Well, that's like that one uh, news broadcast where the guys like they're looking for this rapist, and it looks just like him. Have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, it's rough. It's insert the DiCaprio holding a beer meme where he's just like pointing at the TV. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's him. Get him. Uh, they okay. show the sketch and he immediately just gets tackled off the set. That'd be so funny. It'd be awesome. Amber's case continues to affect Texas and surrounding states and has never been solved. Since January of 96, Arlington police have received over 7,000 tips. Oh, my God. Yet the killer remains at large. This is interesting. I assume that this was a cold case. So it's now, not cold? How? It's how? cold. I would assume that the procedure is different in every state, but or every precinct, rather. But it, inside the Arlington Police Department, the criteria for a case to be t- declared cold is that they have no leads and no... Uh, no leads, no witnesses, and no tips within 180 days. Okay. And in 26 years, there has not been more than 180 days that have gone by without them getting a tip, a lead, or a witness. Yeah, I guess everywhere has a different um, a different definition for a cold case. And honestly, yeah. if, it, if it brings more light to um, finding our killer, I'm down with it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, okay. Sergeant Grant Gilden with Arlington Police says that even 26 years later, he remains optimistic because of developments in DNA science. He's confident that they're going to be, the case isn't cold, so they haven't destroyed the evidence, which tells me like, okay, um, they may be able to match it against something if they ever get a suspect. Right, right. Assuming he was in his 20s or 30s, that means he's at least, what, 50? Yeah. Yeah, so... Amber's mom says that the Amber Alert system named after her daughter is bittersweet, obviously, and she can't help but wonder if her daughter would have been found alive had the system been in place. Quote, it's a shame my daughter had to be butchered and had to go through what she went through for us to have the Amber Alert, but I know she would have been proud of it, end quote. Right. Two girls who were abducted in August 2002, Tamara Brooks and Jackie Morris, were saved because of the Amber Alert system. When she heard of their rescue, Amber's mother said, quote, I'm so happy those two girls are home where they belong. My daughter is in heaven watching out for those girls, end quote. Uh-huh. Sergeant Gilden says that Amber was just a sweet child doing something as innocent as riding a bicycle and evil found her that day. Deanna Simone says that Amber's tragic story remains on her mind decades later, quote, without people caring and willing to participate, the idea would have gone nowhere. It's the goodness in the hearts of the people who care that are making the difference, end quote. Dang. 
Anyone with information about Amber's case is asked to call the Arlington Police at 817-575-8823 or Crime Stoppers of Tarrant County at 817-469-TIPS. 817-469-TIPS. Nice. Great case, Grace. Thank you. Not, not, it's kind of a bummer. Not kind of. Yeah. It is well, a bummer. it's, it's a bummer, but it's definitely like, uh, it, it, it resides in like the fun fact territory. Um, but now you know the history of the Amber Alert, which is something that's yeah. kind of like a household, um, thing. Like if you don't know what an Amber Alert is, then, uh, now, now you do and, and you're better knowing for it. We so. were talking about this. I think um, that we, we think it's pretty universal, at least within America. So not universal, but I would say so. Yeah, it's definitely known. I feel like people should know or, or definitely know about it. And if you don't, then you should. If you live yeah. in the United States or any of those other 33 or 32 countries, 33 countries. I didn't know that it was named after someone. I thought it was an acronym. And it is, by the way, AMBER is an acronym. It stands for um, America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response. Huh. So it is an acronym, but it just happens to spell it. It not just happens. I think it was planned, but it spells right, out Amber. Right. I think they yeah. came up with the Amber or the yes. the acronym after, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, that's that's super neat. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I, I have I hope, for you. I hope they this catch her one. killer. Me too. Twenty six years. Oh my god. I hope her mother gets some fucking peace. I'm it's glad crazy. it's still still a case, and I hope yeah. that they find DNA or, or anything that can lead them to the killer. Yeah, awesome case, Grace. Thank you. I am ready to hear yours. All right, mine's a little kooky today, and I'm I'm gonna ask all the ghoul friends to get gather around. Um, I'm gonna Listen. be the conductor of the conspiracy train today. Woo 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 woo. So uh, get on <laughs> the bus. He's a woo girl. In. I am a woo. I am a, a woo lady. Strap in. Strap in. Get in here. <laughs> Saddle up. But uh, hang on tight, because uh, today we're talking about a, um, a conspiracy that's kind of weird, kind of wacky, um, and it's uh, birds aren't real. What does that mean? Birds aren't real. They're a... Uh, birds are um, <laughs> designed by the government. What? They've been designed by the government to keep surveillance on everyone. Oh my god! So birds are just cameras and listening. Are you going to talk? Are you going to talk about the Hunger Games? Um, no. Okay. In the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games ain't real. Okay, neither is this. So what? Listen. Birds aren't real. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Okay. In the Hunger Games, there's this bird that they engineer called the Jabberjay. And it basically oh. is the the capital, like the government sends it into the districts, like the the people to overhear conversations and to prevent like uprisings and stuff like that. Yeah, well, they and stole the from this movement. And the bird is trained to fly back and. They stole probably, from this movement. It's possible. Like, the author of the Hunger Games probably had or is a staunch supporter of the birds aren't real movement. <laughs> and listen, cool friends, they got merch. Listen, so. I bet they do. They, they definitely do. Um, so let me let me get into it. Uh, and, and, and I'm asking everyone to just put on their tinfoil hats because this one's <laughs> far-fetched even for me. Um, and so let's let's all try to believe this a little bit, right? Okay, I'm ready. Because <laughs> I don't think there's any harm in this one. This one's kind of like a harmless conspiracy. Um, but yeah. Is it all birds? You're going to tell me. 
I'm going to get into it because it's, <laughs> it, it's deep. So uh, oh God. in 1947, the CIA was founded and its sole responsibility, sole responsibility was to watch and survey tens of thousands of, of millions of Americans suspected of doing communist things. Thanks. Thanks. You know, yeah. as you as you do in 1947, mm-hmm. during the mm-hmm. Cold War. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the CIA was founded to do more than just spy on Americans, but whatever, whatever. Yeah, like I said, like I said, flying birds. I, I'm driving the bus today, so <laughs> <laughs> just just get on and uh, hold on Drive tight. And just uh, believe what I say for a little bit. Okay. okay. Um, this orchestrated stalking <laughs> epidemic went on for almost five years, and few <gasps> were found of and few were found guilty of any actual crimes orchestrated <laughs> stalking epidemic. operation epidemic wow that's a loaded word oh my god however it became clear in the early 1950s that the threat of communism was only going to rise and a broader system was needed to track any individual who was suspected of such activity no oh. and what did they do well they recruited our man alan dulles who was the first civilian director of the Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, and made it his mission to ramp up the surveillance program, hiding cameras in thousands of locations, and ordering his staff to plant them in areas that would be impossible to detect, like storm drains, uh, street lamps, all that stuff. Dulles knew that the possibilities for his camera program were endless, and on April 15, 1956, he met with President Dwight D. Eisenhower proposed a plan that would put cameras in the sky. Dulles knew (laughs) Dulles knew that the sky was the future. As you could truly track someone with a moving camera much easier than having to switch between cameras on street corners and hidden in storm drains. They were like, the sky is, is where we're going with this. Oh my god. So, meanwhile... Or, you know, around the same time, Dulles and his team found out that they had a shared passion of how much they hated birds. (laughs) And were on many occasions quoted calling them flying slugs and the scum of the skies. Oh my god, the scum of the skies. The scum of the skies, muddying their perfect future in the sky. And they did this, they called them this, because they would often crap on their cars in the parking lot of the CIA headquarters. <laughs> and quite frankly, all over the D.C. metro area. It was just out of control. There's so much shit everywhere. God. It's an epidemic. It's a pandemic uh, of shitted birds. Oh my god. Shitted. A bed pandemic. However, nice. they theorized that what? Nothing. Good. <laughs> I want to. I want you to say your joke again. It's no, probably it very was, clever and smart. No, it was stupid. Forget it. <laughs> oh, leave it in. Leave it in. Uh, I am. I'm going to. <laughs> oh gosh. I didn't even hear you. Classic. So, <laughs> what do you do when you hate birds? Kill them. That's right. However, they did not kill all of the birds and could have launched a quarter of the robot birds that they did. But the pigeons in D.C. at the time were absolutely ruthless. (laughs) They were eating very well. (laughs) 
as okay. as as American morale was high, people were feeding them much more in public parks and on the street. So you feed more, you feed the birds more, they crap more, cause and effect. Oh my god! America's morale is high. People love the country. They feed birds more. You get more bird shit. That's how it happens. I like a direct link. I pose a direct link. Okay, yeah. America morale is high. Pigeons are shitting everywhere. <laughs> Pigeons be shitting. <laughs> Harder than usual. <laughs> Harder. You just hear a little like. <laughs> so you know he's pitching this to to Eisenhower, and he's upon pitching he's pitching it. Hey, hey, that's that's yes. good. You heard that one. That's good. So Eisenhower's on board. He's like, "There's too much damn shitting birds everywhere, man. Time to time to do something about them shitting birds." Oh my god! And uh, so upon the government writing the plan to slowly kill off the birds it was now dulles's responsibility to make it a reality so you couldn't you can't do it all at once right well because then you're here, gonna kill the people i mean he's giving the gargantuan ta- task of reallocating 65 billion dollars of public health <laughs> funds towards the forced extinction 65 billion Dollars. Yeah. And uh they took it out of the public health funds, you know. Shut the American fuck up. American morale is high. So honestly that would make so much sense though. That's why our public health system is such trash. So, you know, We're he still hired recovering from the pigeon extinction. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with sixty five billion dollars? Well, you hire a team of about twenty Boeing engineers to help design a new B fifty two B bomber. That is black, so that when they fly it at night on the night raids, and then, then, what do you do? What do you do with the the pitch black B-52B bombers? Standing for bird bombing obliteration without the B? Or without what the O? What is, what is, what is happening? The, not the night raids, what? So they, they designed specific bombers. And then... The Boeing engineers designed specific bombs that were basically bombs that were converted water tanks filled with poison that they would then fly to the night raids of these these new stealth bombers. And they would drop bombs to where they would detonate in the air and then dissolve poison into the air and and it would kill all the birds and then dissipate before it reached the ground. So it would have no effect on humans, but it would kill all the birds immediately. Why would it have? Oh my god! So he took this plan. That the pigeons are flying. I I rarely see pigeons flying. They're fucking hopping. Well, that's around. that's why that's why it takes them a little bit, right? So oh, okay. I'm gonna right, get to right, that, you know. Right, of but but with with that plan in mind, that's that's their method of attack. And D Day, June second, nineteen fifty nine, is when Operation Water the Country was launched. So their their mo spray poison in the air that would kill the birds. <laughs> but dissolve before it reached the ground. Oh my God. <laughs> I cannot believe this. Um, so fast forward a little bit. This has been going on for a little while. Now we're in JFK times. Um, what would you think if I told you <laughs> that JFK was murdered by the CIA because he was against the mass murder of every feathered flying creature in the United States? I. You'd say that checks out, right? Right, cool friends? Right, totally. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Grace. Get on get on the bus, Grace. Uh, <laughs> but there's no way it was because of the birds. Or was it? It could have been. 
Have you seen a bird lately? <laughs> when was the last time you saw a bird? When was the last time you saw a bird? Uh, it's irrelevant because I know that the birds are always seeing me. Right. Oh my god. You're really fact, selling it. In fact, in this video call, I think I've seen a bird fly across your like behind you at least three times. Oh my god. Keeping yeah, tabs on us. us. They know <laughs> they know we're here. They know we're here. They know what I'm talking. Anyway. So <laughs> JFK was the first and only president to stand against the murder of the birds. From Lyndon Johnson to Donald Trump to Joe Biden, every president we've had since has turned a blind eye to the atrocities that began in 1959. D-Day. Or B-Day for bird. Oh? The bird blitz. Oh my, the bird blitz. Yeah, I'm trying to B-Day. Yeah. Bird battery. B-D-Day. And after Kennedy was assassinated, the CIA started rigging elections. They would only allow candidates who were anti-bird, pro-citizen surveillance to win the presidency. Anti-bird? <laughs> That's yeah. so funny. Wait, pro-citizen surveillance, man. Wait, was Lyndon Johnson, was he pro-bird? Anti-bird? What are they saying? He's, he's a puppet from the CIA. Of course he's anti-bird. Okay. They've wife, all been puppets. His wife's name was Lady Bird. I'm not kidding. Yeah, not for long. Now, you may be wondering, how did the government get thousands of people to build the birds, and where are they now? Because, you know, if you're going to replace the entire bird population, it's got to happen somehow, right? We didn't have just automated bird-making machines. Like, that, that, that was unheard of. Well, if I were to do it, I would kill the birds, or at least render them unconscious, install surveillance software. <laughs> and make <laughs> thousands of, like, TV dinner p- pigeon pies? Right. No. What? <laughs> Wait, is that what they did? Shut up. No. Is that what they were eating in the 60s? <laughs> no, but that's what I would have done instead of wasted oh. all the bird meat. Right. But, you what know, they, they didn't have the sustainability. You know, probably like it probably padded their freaking uh, anti-bird palaces. Oh, my God. Anti-bird. They're mine right. palaces. <laughs> so, Grace, how yeah. do they get thousands of people to build the birds? No idea. And what happened to those people that built the birds? Like, how, how do they not know? Yeah. Well, true. let me tell you. The government <laughs> would send individuals, agents, to local nightclubs and bars who would then scope out a candidate who looked like they could assemble a robot bird. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Grace, <laughs> after they identified who looked like they could put a bird together. Do they also look like they would eat baked Cheetos? <laughs> Hey, yo, girl, you look like you can assemble a robot bird. Damn right. You're right. So so after they pick them up with that that line, they would tell the person (laughs) that they're having a costume party on acid back at their place. What? I mean, Grace, it would be... on my porch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Honestly, that's the only costume party on acid I want to revisit. (laughs) The beaten on porch party. Um, But no, Grace, it's the 60s and 70s. Right, of course. Where acid was more accepted than bottled water, even. (laughs) Hot take. (laughs) So, you know, in 67, these things were loosey-goosey. You know, everyone's having a fucking silly goose time. Oh my god, silly goose time. Yeah. It's in a silly goose era. As in, you know, silly dead geese. Silly dead geese. (laughs) Yeah, they're so silly, they're just dead already. 
Oh my god. So after they, they convinced them with this costume party party on acid, everyone's like, yeah, man, sounds great. Let's go. These people were given work overalls, their costume, and a small tab of acid, in quotes, which was actually just a piece of colored paper. The, quote, acid trip they were expected was actually the bus ride to the entrance of a bunker where they were then given a toolbox and a pair of headphones that played Pink Floyd nonstop. <laughs> Oh, I cannot believe this. So, and honestly, it's kind Pink of trippy Floyd. in and of itself. This combination of assembling a robot bird, listening to, to Pink Floyd, driving up to a five-story government fallout bunker, led them to believe that they were on the most insane trip of their entire lives. Yeah. But building, also, building the birds. they built the army of birds that still sur surveils us today. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh-huh. And these facilities were believed to be located within many of the government fallout shelters and ammunition bunkers, which were erected in the Cold War. We thought it was a nuclear threat. No, it was our way of spying and, and keeping our, our patriotism alive. Oh, my God. Trevor's and face yes, is dead yes, serious right now. He's yes, so focused. Yes, I am, because... One of the largest and more modern factories that's still used today is located underneath the Denver International Airport. Shut up! In one up. of the many tunnels. Shut <laughs> up! Callback! Oh yes. my god! <gasps> wow. So maybe the devil isn't underneath the Denver International Airport, but our privacy is where that's where our privacy goes to die. Because oh <sighs> you see, Grace. Yeah. The government escalated the fears of nuclear war during this time period, mm -hmm. 60s mm -hmm. through the 80s, as an excuse to build massive underground warehouses under the disguise of being bomb shelters. Sure, 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 sure. Mm -hmm. And a little bit more about the manufacturing facilities. That I mean, they were so massive that hundreds of workers can fit inside and construct up to 5,000 robots per day. There are believed to be 22 of these underground manufacturing plants. And during the peak of the construction process, somewhere around uh, 1980, upwards of 100,000 bird robots were being constructed each day across 22 bunkers. I have a question. So much acid. I, so much. So much <laughs> colored paper. I have a question. Yeah. I don't know why I'm trying to apply logic to this. Uh, there, there's no, no logic needed. Okay, my question is, what did, how did they know that the birds, how did they know I'm... You're broken. Like, when they, when they, okay, I promise you this question made sense in my head, and now I can't remember it. Wait, oh, okay. How did they know that, like, when they're killing the birds, how do they not accidentally miss a bunch of birds? Like, how do they know they got them all, if they all look the same? Well, um... Well, they they are able to track the birds that are, you know, the robot birds, because how right, else right, would, right. would they be able to tell them apart? Right, and I have right, some bird okay. facts later on that, that oh, tells you okay. how they're because they've got I mean, this is the government. They've got data on all these on all these filthy birds that they're still alive. Wow. So, however. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're going back to, yeah, so 100,000 robots were being constructed each day across all 22 bunkers, which yeah. is a lot. Um, however, each of these fake fallout shelter robot bird construction facilities would construct a different type of bird specific to that region. For example, 
in Colorado, there's a bunker near Colorado Springs that specifically builds hummingbirds, as they used to be the primary backyard bird in the state. Oh my and Grace, God. yeah, think about a hummingbird. Yeah. Aren't they the ideal candidate for surveillance in a tight space as they're small yet versatile? <laughs> small yet versatile. And when's the last time that you were aware of a hummingbird in your general vicinity? <laughs> How many uses are there for a hummingbird? Plenty. I bet a humming- <laughs> there's, there's at least three hummingbirds in my house right now. You wouldn't know. No, I wouldn't. They're covert agents. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So I'm following you. Um, we're gonna fl- flash forward to um some some uh, current events here. Uh, That's the last and time this you is... were aware of a hummingbird in your general vicinity. <laughs> yeah, school friends. So when was the last time you noticed a honey hummingbird listening into your conversations, <laughs> listening in through your AirPods, listening into your thoughts? When was the last time? Or just there. For that matter, I've never noticed a hummingbird, period. I've never seen yeah. one. They're really pretty. Aww. Think about all those wackos that are just bought by the government that have hummingbird feeders. <gasps> totally. Like, they're basically just inviting the government to spy on them. Sickos. Totally. totally. Weirdos. Freakazoids. Anyway, um, <laughs> fast forward to March 2021 when Poultry Gate happened. Shut up. <laughs> Shut your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Poultry listen, Gate! Listen. Listen, all that we know is that there were some emails that were sent and found on, on Yahoo servers where high-ranking politicians <laughs> and elites have been using burner accounts to communicate. They should have Holly- called it Waterfowl Gate. Waterfowl? Foul Gate? Foul Gate? No, well, listen, water, you know. like Watergate, but Waterfowl. <laughs> yeah, water, yeah, Waterfowl Gate. Watergate <laughs> fell. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. Sorry. Hollywood elites and A-listers are also involved in this. As as we assumed, such as like uh you know like Kevin Sorbo and Clay Aiken are definitely involved in this. Clay um, Aiken, not Clay Aiken, <laughs> America's sweetheart. And while these emails, the the content <laughs> of these emails do expose inside details about the bird drone surveillance, right? We will caution the listeners, or I'm cautioning y'all, okay. that there is information in these that honestly I did not expect to uncover. Please focus on what matters here, though. The emails are about bird drone surveillance, as in it's real. Oh, right. Of course. Many I politicians and elites <laughs> involved with the bird drone surveillance crisis. Some notable names are like Ted Cruz and, and Bill Gates. And, uh, like, I mean, just think about how the government has hollowed out countless mountains in the United States, using the empty innards of them as factories to build more bird drones. To complete this massive renovation project, they hired they hired Ty Pennington to help them Ty um, <laughs> to help them design these these projects. Shut the fuck up, because listen, cool friends. Listen, I'm not listen. Understand, many in the highest ranks of our society are admitted or rentinophiles. They. Not only love birds, but they're obsessed with the a- avian species. And many of the, the content in these emails is that they're using the birds that are left on this earth that haven't been eradicated yet for pleasure. <laughs> pleasure! Ew! Ew! Exactly! <laughs> Type or, Just disgusting ornithophiles. Or, uh-huh. <laughs> so let's not shy away from 
from the truth here. Right, of course. Okay. Many people, mm-hmm. many Americans, many, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. many innocent people like you and me, like mm. the ghoul friends, mm. we're all being watched. Mm. We are being kept close tabs on by our government. And you thought it was, you thought it was their, your cell phone. You thought it was Alexa. You thought it was Google. That's what the government wants you to believe. It's not. It's the birds outside our houses. It's the hummingbirds in our vents. It's just all of the little parakeets that young children want to buy. And just they go to the pet store. And it's all the parrots that know our names and tell us how hot we are and all that shit. It's all of them. (laughs) how hot we are. The turkey dinner that we have on Thanksgiving allows us to ingest the nano birds into our bloodstreams. Which allows us to control our thinking. That's unhinged. That's too far. <laughs> That's too far. Listen, oh? join me. Listen, join me in uniting, girlfriends. That birds aren't real. And the next time I see a bird, I'm gonna karate chop it. Do it. I want to see what it does. <laughs> Do it. But yeah, and, and, okay, okay. In in all seriousness, this this is this is far fetched. Oh, I cannot believe that. Is it? Do they have a website? Uh, yeah, birdsaren'treal.com. Shut up. Oh my god, domain. Hello. Yeah. Look at that SEO. Yeah, they got merch. <gasps> the truth. But it's a- no. Get ready to rumble. Not the rumble. They have a I have a shirt that says the birds work for the bourgeoisie. Uh, my favorite is this pigeon that says I am a lie. <laughs> I am a lie. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh truthers. Ew. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god the history warning the disturbing content robot bird prototype <laughs> <laughs> there's this picture of the turkey pardoning <laughs> with <right>. jfk so, <laughs> on the website it says what are we trying to do the birds aren't real movement exists to spread awareness that the government genocided over 12 billion birds from 1959 to 2001 and replaced these birds with surveillance drone repel- replicas why did they Which stop still in 2001? Watch us. 9/11? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So they don't do it anymore. All the birds are replaced. Yeah. I, what do they do with birds that come over from overseas? I don't know. What about birds in zoos? Birds in zoos are just like there to keep up the peace, you know? I want to meet one of these or people. Or to keep up the facade. I want to meet one of these people. Um, well, you can join the movement by entering your address, Grace. No, so if you really want that. No, I'm good, actually. <laughs> not going to put my address uh. on this. I'm not here for the birds to surveil. Oh. <laughs> so it begins. This is fucking gold. I can't believe that I've never heard of this. Dude, there's people like actively Twitter posting this right now. It says something. I knew that I had to write something that was concise, accurate, and free of any fault or error. This is my work. <laughs> yeah yeah don't don't read that (laughs) my god so yeah there you go that was fucking crazy if you guys like this like outlandish conspiracy thing like (laughs) and you know me or you want to reach out to us uh you can do so at uh, our email at where murder meets mystery at gmail.com and let me know what you think about this because i've got a couple of more of these like kooky um conspiracy that um disclaimer i don't necessarily believe in but it's just kind of weird and funny to look at you know down the rabbit hole and yeah all that weird stuff so i no i really appreciate it and i think that your telling of these is 
absolutely hysterical and that's what i love (laughs) well i'm trying i'm trying to drink the kool-aid a little bit to get you all all riled riled up because that's the only way to do this is to like instead of just like picking it apart like let's just let's give in for a little bit and then we can return to our our sense so much funnier it's so much funnier if we were just shit talking it the whole time it wouldn't be as funny yeah, and, and there are holes in it. Like, it doesn't make sense, which is good Obviously. that you bring you bring that perspective, too, because you're, like, trying to put it together. You're like, wait, what? Wait, I have a question. And I'm like, I'm like, your question is valid, but, like, honestly, you don't have to go this hard. No, we shouldn't, like, we shouldn't be asking any questions. There's no yes, questions needed. You should just needed. believing. Right. It, the only way to properly explain is with words. That's right. As a wise man once said. <laughs> So, cool friends, also follow us on Instagram at where murder meets mystery and email us where Trev said, where murder meets mystery at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in to episode 40. Hello. That's crazy. We will see you. Well, we won't see you. I always say that. We will see you next week. We'll listen to you next week and you'll listen to us. We'll catch you up next week and I hope you guys have a good week. And uh, don't forget to call your dad. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Okay. Bye.